Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, Emily Kless of Tops, uh, sending a couple boxes uh, for me to compare and contrast. A little box battle here between soccer and Formula One. But thanks, other sponsors. Tops will get uh, top billing uh, for this episode, but also Upper Deck and Panini, Heritage Auctions, Suggs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. I noticed on Sport collectors daily. Rich Miller, in his excellent daily email that he sends out, had a uh, comment from Mike Fruitman, one of the other sponsors, talking about what's hot in the shop, what's going on there. He mentioned how well he was doing with uh, one of these products, the uh, Chrome Formula One. He mentioned that Formula One was the second most uh, popular sport in the world. I'm not going to dispute that as much as uh, clarify that. It's unclear what ranking that's based on. There's lots of ways to rank the popularity of the sports by fans, by viewership, by the money involved, by participation. Formula One for participation, probably uh, there's only a few drivers, whereas lots of people play soccer. At any rate, he was saying it was number two to soccer. I think that depends on the way you look at it, but that's what makes it interesting about comparing these two boxes, the Chrome Formula One and the Museum Collection Soccer. The study, I when I looked at it, soccer is clearly the number one sport. So this recent run-up in soccer cards makes a lot of sense. It's probably the most global of all the sports, so pretty much all the continents. Lots of participation, lots of fans, the World Cup, an amazing thing. But in a lot of uh, these uh, rankings, they have cricket number two. Again, I think there's an awful lot of cricket going on in uh, India and Pakistan. But again, depending on how you rank them, cricket would be number two rather than Formula One. Basketball also is way ahead of the other quasi-American sports with good participation on many continents. So soccer, cricket, basketball, and then, especially if you throw in NASCAR and Indy and Le Mans and uh, other kinds of things, F Formula One racing is number four. Apparently, from what I can see, there's a drop off to number five. Anybody that's focusing on Formula One or other kinds of racing, that may turn out to be fruitful as the world is uh, shrinking. In basketball, we've already seen that. Cricket? <laughs> I don't know. Let's <laughs> see about cricket cards. And soccer is here to stay. The problem with soccer that is not occurring in Formula One really is there's so many leagues and superstars in those leagues and they all come together for the World Cup so you can see who the, the biggest stars are, it's, I think, way more complicated. On the other hand, that means knowledge is important. And if you really understand soccer in all the different leagues, or if you choose your league, you can dive in. Formula One seemed like that would be uh, not as difficult to get a handle on. There's uh, Lewis Hamilton and a few other. Again, there are no common cards in any sport, really, in one sense, but certainly not within these driver situations. I think it's important in, in all these different sports that there be some set builders. I don't know if half the people have to be set builders or 25%, but I don't like it if there's commons left behind. Again, as I said, I don't know that they're commons, but if people are completing sets... Uh, to me, that's ideal. If you have your favorite team, your favorite franchise, your favorite country, your favorite uh, driver, your favorite uh, soccer player, your favorite goalie, whatever it is, those are good things. And that really what is what needs to be happening because the big dilemma and these two boxes that I'm comparing when they were in the original SRP, I think they're pretty close in value, but it looks like the Formula One has uh, jumped ahead. But the question is for both those boxes, do I want to open up the Formula One and see what I get when now it's going maybe quite a bit above SRP or do I want to open open up the museum collection. Thank you, Emily. I opened up both because I want to see what's in there and, and describe it. The museum collection, pretty easy to open. It's just eight cards for base cards. And my base cards, I got a Virgil van Dyke and an Erling Holland. Wish they had been the uh, game used or the autograph, but was not displeased. Not as complicated, easy to see what you've got. I was pleased. Again, it's a Champions League product and it depends on what you're into. So that takes the early lead. But then what about the Chrome F1? And really, 
I don't like it if we're in a situation, and it's unfortunate if it may have been advisable not to open it up. Now, I don't think that was an option for me, but I have some concerns when things are selling above SRP. That's uh, not a terrible thing. In fact, short term, it's a very good thing for the industry and for those people who have it. But uh, the worst case when boxes come out is that they don't sell out at all. That's terrible. That's really bad. People don't realize in the junk wax era, there there was a problem with reselling and things had trouble selling out toward the end of the junk wax era because they were producing too much. If something sells way above uh, SRP, I, I think that's long-term bad. And it's very exciting when it happens, but that can't be the case. The ideal case, in my mind, as I'm the get-rich-slow guy, is that if something comes out, it's desirable, it's well-produced, as these sets are, and it sells for SRP or a little bit more, and it gradually goes up. That's, to me, the ideal situation. This windfall thing encourages a get-rich-quick situation, which is, I think, long-term, not that healthy. If I had been a pure capitalist, I think I may have considered not opening these, especially the F1 box. But since I did open them, I enjoyed it. And I got two Lewis Hamilton refractors. I did fine in that sense, but still, it's not going to add up. Here's the sports card insight. I think I got the suggested retail value. I, I didn't get the, the street price. When the street price is uh, 50% more or double, you have to get the big hit. The other insight is what I'm realizing is I've talked to more people and breaking becomes more and more prevalent. Uh, the first dilemma is do I open or not? Do I use a breaker? How do I uh, figure out how I can get what I want? I've got to figure out how to sell the stuff I don't want if I open it. But increasingly, these boxes are judged by the best card that comes out of the pack. Not the total value as much. It seems like it's more being judged by the best card. And the pricing and the resale pricing, the secondary market pricing, is greatly affected, not by the totality of the value, but by what's the best card I could get out of that box. If it's a card, you know, a player or a, a rarity that really takes off and gets a lot of publicity, it's going to drive the value of that. Again, not a terrible thing, but beware, because that's not what was intended by the manufacturers. Thanks, Emily. And I, I think soccer and Formula One, F1 are, are here to stay. I'm glad, as I said, the strength of the hobby is going to be in the breadth and the fact that there are so many alternatives and tops uh, keep up the good work. So I'm picking museum collection. I'm picking soccer over F1. So just to let you know. Thanks, everybody. Be back again Monday with another full episode.